0: Well, good evening. i uh, glad y'all are all here tonight. Uh, our pastor is out of town today, and uh, he asked me to fill in for him tonight, and I'm excited to do that. Uh, before we get into the text, I, I wanted to know, uh, how many of y'all know who David Platt is? Uh, David Platt is a uh, president of the International Mission Board, our Southern Baptist Mission Agency. Uh, he's also a University of Georgia graduate, uh, actually spoke in a Sunday evening service here either in 99 or 2000. I don't. I can't remember the exact date of that he was uh, college roommates uh, with Tom Drury, who grew up here in, uh, in the church. Uh, have y'all heard the story that he shared with the executive committee of the uh, SBC this past week? Uh, uh, this past week, he, he shared a story uh, of an apparent physical resurrection from the dead. And uh, I just want to—it's a good lead-in to where I want to go today, and I just want to share that story uh, with you. He said that uh, a Southeast Asian believer who had been trained by our Southern Baptist missionaries had taken some friends with him to go to um, villages to start sharing the gospel, and they had taken uh, the gospel into a place that had been completely unreached, and they were uh, finding some initial—not uh, much not sure if success— uh, they weren't seeing conversions at that point, but some uh, openness uh, toward the gospel. And, and one of the ways that they saw that is that the people were beginning to uh, uh, devalue. Uh, their, their They were animistic. Uh, so they devalue the, their amulets, their, their necklaces, uh, the small idols that they had made. And they had, had gone the next step and even had went to a central gathering place in the village uh, so that they would be burned uh, later in the week. Well, in a reversal, one day, they started going and and picking those things back up. And what the believers found uh, when they got to the village to hear the story was that the village leader, the village elder, had died. And the people had interpreted his death as the spirits being angry at them for putting their idols and their things away. And, and so they the the believers who had invested uh, there for some time they were obviously uh, discouraged uh but they uh wanted to express condolences and, and so they went to the house where the, the man um was it, his body was laying there in in the house to to pray for the people there and to pray really over over the body and uh, the prayer. I want to uh, read you this prayer that they had. It's just a brief list. So they they were standing over his body and they began praying that God would show His mercy to the people in the village, that God would glorify His name, and that God would show His love to that people. So the Asian believer is telling this story to our Southern Baptist missionary, and he says, as we are praying over this man, he coughs. And of course, the room gets really quiet at that point, and he coughs again. And then whoever's in the room rushes over to him, and he he takes a breath, he takes a breath, and then he gets up. Well, they figured that that was just as good a time to share the gospel as any <laughs> they might ever have, uh, and, and they present the gospel one more time. Uh, and the story continues to play out over a series of weeks to where they uh, not only do they actually go ahead and burn uh, uh, all, all those uh, animistic uh, ritualistic items, uh, but they also see start seeing uh, conversions, uh, actual success in the name of the Lord. As uh, Platt was sharing this with the executive committee, he said, "You know, I, I'm, I'm not. I wasn't there. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if the man was r- really dead or not." I have, Sometimes I've got a pretty good dose of natural skepticism. Uh, but I would say, as David Platt did, that uh, those people know what death looks like. Um, and they probably know it and see it more often than we do. Uh, and what we do know is that uh, we serve a God who has conquered death uh, and we, uh, have, we serve a God who has called, called out to the dead and said, come to life. And so... Uh, we, we've got this amazing story uh, that, that's happened, and tonight I want us to look at another story that has the same tone as the prayer of these Asian believers. And I want us to ask the question, what do our interaction and what do our prayers with God look like when we are ultimately concerned for his glory? As you heard that in the prayer, uh, God, oh, they, was, they were praying over the, of the, of the deceased leader, uh, God, what would glorify your name and show your love to these people? What, what do our prayers look like when we are ultimately concerned for the standing and the glory of God's name? So our passage tonight uh, is in Exodus chapter 33 as we continue this series of uh, thinking about what it means to be in the presence of God. And so go ahead and please uh, find Exodus chapter uh, 33. And let's remind ourselves of the context for these verses. The whole uh, book of Exodus, of course, gives us the story of Israel's Uh, escaping out of slavery and bondage from Egypt for 400 years. Uh, Then they are uh, meandering in the desert uh, for 40 years as they are preparing to go into uh, the promised land. Chapter 33 obviously follows chapter 32, and there was a whole lot going on in chapter 32. Uh, God had called Moses onto the heights of Mount Sinai to give him the Ten Commandments, and he'd been up there, Uh, for some period of time and then uh, all together ended up being 40 days well somewhere in that 40 days the people of israel got nervous that moses had either died or he had abandoned them and so they told his brother make us another god and his brother uh, who was a good follower not a very good leader he would do whatever somebody told him and when moses was there he did good things and when the people was there he did what they told him he made them the golden calf and moses comes down off the mountain just as they are in this great frenzy of worship of this golden calf. He is so mad. He dashes the Ten Commandments that God has uh, just given him, and he comes to the edge of the camp, and he said, whoever is with me and with the Lord, come over here, and and then the people assemble that that are with him. And he said, put a sword on your side and go through, and let's kill all the violators. And 3,000 are killed that day. God then sends a plague on top of that as another form of judgment. There's a whole lot going on here in 32 as we go and look ahead to what's going on in 33. Some time has passed between chapter 32 and chapter 33. We don't know how much, but God has told Moses, I'm ready for your people to move on up, uh, take the next step to go towards the promised land. In the meantime, uh, Moses has taken some links to set up a separate tent outside the camp to meet God, And that's where I want us to pick up in chapter 33. The, the focus tonight will be on verses 11 through 13, but I want us to start in uh, verse 7 of chapter 33. Now Moses took a tent and set it up outside the camp, far away from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. Anyone who wanted to consult with the Lord would go up to the tent of the meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent, and they would watch Moses until he had entered the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of the cloud would come down and remain in the entrance to the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance to the tent, they would stand up, then bow and worship, each one at the door of his tent. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his assistant, the young man, Joshua, the son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. Moses said to the Lord, "'Look, you have told me, lead this people up, "'but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. "'You said, I know you by name, "'and you have also found favor in my sight. "'Now if I have indeed found favor in your sight, "'please teach me your ways.' And I will know you, and I will find favor in your sight. Now consider that this nation is your people. Well, uh, what what I'd like for us then to to talk about and, and, and think through in this passage, and I think what we can learn from Moses' example here, is that a history or pattern of prayer, an intimacy or closeness in prayer, and the shape of prayer are all things that are Uh, enhance our experience of God. So our history, our pattern of prayer, uh, a closeness in prayer, and then the shape of that prayer can enhance our experience of the presence of God. So let's first talk about Moses' history or his pattern of prayer. We see that Moses took extraordinary measures to meet with God by building this tent outside the camp. And if you were listening, you heard it, outside the camp, outside the camp, far away from the camp. It's almost like there must have been preschoolers in the camp, and he was trying to get out of the camp to find some peace of mind. Uh, he wanted to get away from the, the hubbub, he wanted to get the, the, the regular routine of what was going on to be able to have some dedicated, deliberate time with the Lord. And I would say that if we want to have and experience the presence of the Lord, uh, we can't just squeeze our time in with the Lord between errands, between uh, doing the ordinary business of the day, picking up the responsibilities of the day, the obligations of the day. There has to be a dedicated and a deliberate time for us to go and seek the Lord. And, and it's okay to pray in, in, in through the course of the day. And I think Paul uh, encourages us to do that when he talks about praying unceasingly. Uh, but there needs to be time when God is not... It's God's not uh, one and. He, he's the one. Uh, it's not God and I'm driving, and I've got kids in the background, or I've got this job assignment dude that's coming up. It's, he's my focus. That's the only thing on the table. He, he, everything else is far away. A tent of a meeting is just me and God. And so many of y'all are doing these things already. Um, you, you're, you're setting a time aside every day before things get started or some course part of the day where you're blocking out dedicated time, deliberate time for the Lord. Uh, if you're not, then start small. Read, read a psalm a day. Read a proverb a day. Read a little part of the gospel, a chapter out of that uh, a day. Uh, just start doing something. And then after you start doing something, then it becomes uh, a pattern. But what we see here uh, first is that Moses had a history and a pattern of prayer, and that made a difference in his experience of the presence of the Lord. Uh, verse 11, uh, verse 11 says that the pillar of cloud descended on the tent. God, uh, when, it, when it descended on the tent, that God would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So Moses had a history of prayer, but he also had a closeness with God, and that was rather amazing. Rather amazing. Now, we're used to communicating by uh, so many different means, and all forms of communication uh, have their place, and they're good, but there's nothing more personal than in-person communication, uh, that, that, that directness, that, that eye-to-eye contact. Uh, so God speaks to Moses face-to-face and as a man speaks to a friend. How does a person speak to their friend? How does a person speak to their friend? Are, are, are they guarded? Uh, uh, no, they're, they're relaxed. Uh, they're, they're at ease. They're, they're not having to choose their words uh, carefully. They're, they're, they're rather, they're able to uh, talk out loud, uh, to, to think things through verbally. Um, they're able to share their, what's on their heart or share what's going through their mind. Uh, without reservation. They're not holding anything back uh, when they're talking uh, with a friend. I mean, did you notice the interesting thing here? Uh, that's not describing how Moses was talking to God. It was describing how God was talking to Moses. That's how, that's how God was talking to Moses. It's not describing how we're supposed to talk to God, although I think it fits. Uh, the remarkable thing here is that uh, we see that Moses didn't call God so much his friend as God called Moses his friend. Do you, you see the difference between those two? Have you ever called somebody? somebody ever asked you, is that, is that one of your friends? And you just said, yeah, uh-huh, sure. And then you thought about it later it's like, well, I wonder if that person would have said yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Or it might be like some of our Facebook friends, you know, like, oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm proud to have that person as one of my Facebook friends. Yeah. Would they, would they even know who I am? You know, that kind of thing. And, you know, it, well, what's, the, what's the status? What's the, the nature of that friendship? Uh, you know, Jesus says that no one has greater love than this, that he one who lays down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you uh, do what I command you. So isn't it amazing that the God who uh, created us does not treat us like uh, anonymous pawns? Um, but the God that uh, created us, uh, you know, this verse, it said, uh, in verse 12, God said, I know you by name. A- and so God, is, he's not sheepish about calling us his friends. He- he's proud. That person uh, b- uh, belongs to me. He's almost like he would point out, and I would talk, you know Scott Dickerson. I know Scott Dickerson. He is my friend. I, I know Scott Dickerson. I know Jennifer Rios. And I am proud that she is my friend. I, I, I know Cindy Lane. And I am proud that she is my friend. And, and, and when God thinks of us, he, his chest kind of sticks out. And he, and he claims us as our friend. What an awesomeness. What an awesomeness of his love for us. So our, our experience in God's presence, it's, it's enhanced by having a, a practice uh, of prayer, a, a history, a, a pattern of prayer, and uh, the intimacy uh, in prayer is, uh, is developed when we understand how God thinks of us, when, how God perceives us. Uh, it's also impacted by how we pray or the shape of our prayers. I see four things in the shape of uh, Moses' prayer that I think are formative for us. He uh, listened, he petitioned, he brought a humble appeal to the Lord and then he brought concern for God's name. He listened, he petitioned, he brought a humble appeal, and he, he brought a concern for God's name. And We'll just, we'll just walk through each one of these um, briefly. Uh, Moses' listening is implied by his God-given status as a friend. Now, none of you have ever been in a Sunday school class that has ever asked for you to give the ideal characteristics of a friend, have you? Have you ever, have you ever been in a Sunday school class? What's an ideal friend? What are some characteristics of friendship? And that class didn't go long before someone said, "A friend is somebody that will really listen to you." Uh, that that's a that, it's not only is it a good Sunday school answer; it's a good Sunday school answer because it's a true answer, it's an accurate answer, uh, it's a good a good answer. And so uh, Moses uh, uh, is a listener to God. Uh, Tom Eliff would say that as we pray and if we indeed are praying it's not a matter of talking to god and then picking up, up our things and rushing out to start and do to deal with the, whatever the day throws at us uh, a characteristic and the shape i think of moses's prayer is one that is a listener a, a listener so how do you listen well one way to listen is to, to not talk uh we we would do well to be to learn how to be silent and to be patient before the Lord. I mean, you've, you've poured your heart out to a friend. They've listened. They, didn't, they weren't talking over you. Uh, they didn't let you get one or two words out and cut you off. Uh, they didn't redirect you. There was a, there was a waiting before the Lord. In Psalm 40, um, verse 1, I waited patiently before the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. Perhaps we will hear more from God, if we listen more from God. So a good friend would, would listen, and we should learn what it means to, to listen uh, for God. We'll, we'll experience his presence a whole lot more that way. So Moses listened, but he also brought his petition or his issue before the Lord. We see that in verse 12. And what he's essentially saying is that, uh, that God had not given him enough direction. Earlier he said, all right, it's time for you to pick up the, the people and, and, and move them on. We're, we're, we're getting up and we're moving along. And, and Moses has a thousand questions, and he doesn't get all the information that he wants from his leader, uh, from God. And so he's asking these questions. Uh, you ever, have you ever felt like Moses? You felt like he got a direction from the Lord, but he didn't, uh, he didn't fill in all the details? That's not very convenient, is he? Uh, it can be kind of uncomfortable. Sometimes it requires faith out of us when we get into those situations. Uh, the example that, that Moses gives us is that he presents his petition before the Lord. And I think, that's a, I think it's a valid thing. I think that's, that, that's a good thing. We have to do that with faith. Uh, but uh, it, it's valid to say, God, I'd, I'd really like to know a little bit more information about uh, what, what you got going on here. I really would. So Moses was listening. He brought his uh, petition. And then uh, I believe this whole prayer is empowered by what happens next in verse uh, Verse 13. So let's read verse 12 and 13 all together again. Um, Moses said to the Lord, "'Look, you have told me, lead this people up, "'but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. "'You said, I know you by name, "'and you have also found favor of my sight.'" And this is where I think it, it, the whole thing hinges. "'Now if I indeed have found favor in your sight, "'please teach me your ways, "'and I will know you and find favor in your sight. "'Now consider that this nation is your people.'" So uh, what we have here in this this phrase, if you are pleased with me, if I have found favor in your sight, this is a humble appeal before God. It is ultimately an appeal for grace. God, if I can find favor in your eyes, he, he he is imploring God to dispense grace that he knows that he needs. I think it's a key hallmark as we approach the Lord in prayer and experience his presence is to come with him with an appeal uh, to grace but then he asks this uh or uh i'm not sure if it's it's ask or it's a uh, telling or appealing he says remember that this nation is your people consider that this nation is your people what what's he wanting to do here with god at this point what is he trying to uh uh Stimulate. Uh, what is he asking God to, to, to do here? Uh, what point is he trying to make? Well, I believe that the, what he's wanting to do uh, is that the condition of God's people is a reflection back on God and God's glory. The condition of God's people is a, is a reflection back on God's glory. Moses was concerned that the surrounding peoples would look at what was happening to them and they would draw conclusions about God based on their condition. In fact, it is a, if you go back several chapters in uh, Exodus, you, you'll, you'll see this uh, already articulated. And then uh, that, this concern of the perception of others around them is, is carried all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, and in fact, it, it ultimately culminates in the, in the, the exile. Uh, God, God's very much concerned with it he said, listen, I can't let y'all keep ignoring me and treating me this way and, and, and not being judged by it because people around will not think that they should take me seriously. And so, he, you know, he tells them that for a few hundred years and then, then he brings the, brings the, the judgment. And so there is a legitimate concern that Moses says that we need to have um, for God's name and God's glory. And this was indeed God's concerns in, uh, as well. So, do you think, do you think, uh, you think people ever make judgments about God about the way from the way we spend our time or the way that we interact with other people? Yeah. Have, have, y'all, and have y'all, Any of y'all ever winced uh, being uh, cut off on the road uh, with a car that had one of those fish uh, stickers on the, on the back of it? Uh, like, oh, appreciate you representing the cause. Uh, thanks, thanks for driving in a great way there, buddy. Uh, uh, that's great. I wish you'd just take that all away. You know, that's it's just... Uh, but how we interact uh, w- with people uh, influences uh, how, what they think of God. And, and so Moses' concern here is about God's name and God's glory, and it ultimately ends up being an evangelistic purpose implied uh, in that. Uh, these people... Or your people. Uh, this is about your, and the key word to be there, your. It's about your people, their Lord. Your people, your glory, your goodness. So Moses' concern was not just his personal plight, he had, he had that larger concern about God's glory. And when we come to the Lord in prayer, we most often, or I'll say, I, I most often come not with God's glory as the, the driver. Uh, the the driver for me is my personal issue. What, what's, what's gotten my attention? Uh, the particular circumstance that I'm facing. And so for us, we may come to the Lord and it might be because we're dealing with uh, this tough individual at work or we're trying to figure out if this friend at school is really a friend or is not a friend or uh, if this uh, job situation or job opportunity is one that we should pursue or not pursue but there's so many unanswered questions or uh, there's this family situation that's, that's difficult, that's stressed, that's strained. And, you know, how's this going to get better? Uh, when can it heal? How's, how's it going to heal? Uh, we bring these kind of questions to the Lord. This is what instigates our prayers. And these, I think, I, I think that follows just fine in this petition, that shape of uh, Moses' prayer to, uh, in that petition category to bring those to the Lord. Uh, but then Moses, here at the end, adds this appeal to grace. And he adds this concern for God's name. Uh, and, can, and so bring all those concerns to the Lord and then add what difference will this make for your glory? What difference does this make for your name? How can you be glorified in this particular situation? And I think ultimately we'll see that that is the first question and, and the first prayer, uh, the most important prayer. How, Lord, can you be glorified? In this particular circumstance, Uh, we probably start with our immediate circumstances uh, or our our immediate needs, but we should get to that question of how God is glorified. So, uh, what we see then ultimately, uh, we get God's answer to Moses. So, he's poured out his heart. uh, If I have, verse 13, if I have indeed found favor in your sight, please teach me your ways, and I will know you and find favor in your sight. Consider this nation's your people. Here's God's response. Then he replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Did God answer his question? <laughs> hmm? Not how Moses no, yeah, that's right. Not with details, not what Moses wanted. Uh, I asked you this question. It's almost like you're. Uh, I asked this, and you said this. You may. I'm not communicating. Uh, what difference does God's presence make? Do you need to know all the answers if God's with you? Um, yeah, so God's difference makes... Uh, uh, a pretty big, big pretty big difference. Um you know, Beach Haven for a number of years uh, sent trips to uh, Benin, uh West Africa and uh while we were there we um the adopted local son of the missionaries there, uh Mark Ijigbaru became our, our host. Uh and when I was in country with Mark, uh I knew what we were doing. In general, I knew where we were going, I knew what we were wanting to do in general. Uh, but uh, I, I didn't know all the details. Uh, I knew a fair amount, but I didn't know everything, but I didn't have to. I was with Mark. Uh, he, he knew the roads, he knew the people, he knew the customs. Uh, I, I, I could get in the truck, and close the door. I could, I could relax. I was with, with Mark. Now, uh, four years ago, we had a, a college team there that was in country for six weeks. And and so for a day and a half, I ended up being by myself as I was getting ready to come back. I didn't stay with them that, that entire time. Um, but I'd been there three times, and uh, I, I, I was confident in as far as getting around and things for a day and a half or two days or whatever it happened to be, uh, except that my confidence was greater than my competence. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, he dropped me off at the hotel, and he left and went off with the next team. With the team, they they went up north the next day and were gone. And I was like, "Well, okay. Well, I'm gonna go to this uh, restaurant that uh, we always go to. This place called the Festival de Glass. And uh, it's you know, a safe place. We could trust it. We could eat there, no problem. And so I looked at the map and I figured it out. And I'm just gonna go. I'd walk. You don't want to get in a taxi or anything like that. Uh, and so I, I start off walking, and I'm I'm decent with maps, and I keep walking, and I keep walking. I like I missed my intersection. This there should have been another rue, another street here somewhere uh, to to get past that. And so now I'm lost in Cotonou, uh, and I don't know where I'm going. So I walk up to this police officer, and it's, uh, you know you shouldn't be intimidated. You're 40 years old or, or whatever, but. The, you're in a foreign country. And the police officer there, when they, they wear the military garb and got the long rifle rather than the handgun, and, and so I say, "Vous play, Monsieur? Uh, pardon? Uh, où est la festival de glace?" And you know what he said? I don't either. He said it in French, uh, I, and, I, and, I, and so uh, I'd use all my French, and he'd reply back, and then then he started using hand gestures, and he said, "I was like, now there's a main thoroughfare." I was like, "Good," and, and then he went. I was like and uh, uh, and a parlez-vous anglais, and, uh, and, uh, The next thing you know, he summons over a, a motorcycle taxi, and he p- get on that. And I, I don't really want to, p- p- <laughs> uh, and, and so uh, I had forbidden the college students from being on a motorcycle taxi, and I just that sounds exhilarating to anybody that's 20 years old, uh, but p- uh, and exhilarating it was, uh, uh, but. Uh, you get on the back of this motorcycle taxi, and it was just two of us uh, as opposed to three, four, or five that can be on the back of a motorcycle in this country. And I'm not sure if you've ever had the impression or had the opportunity to be in a third-world uh, significant-sized city uh, and the traffic ro- rules and laws uh, that, that exist there. It, it's, it's nuts. Uh, I, I was trying to put on a seatbelt, uh, and it was a motorcycle. I mean, I was like, this is... This is and so I was just tense. My heart was just clicking away, and I was praying, praying, praying. Uh, it felt like a, it was a, a two-minute ride. It, I, it lasted 10 minutes in my mind. I, I saw every, every scenario with every vehicle and projected this and that. I thought about the life insurance policy that's paid up <laughs> and this kind of stuff, and it just... Whoosh, uh, it was just chaotic. I got there fine, and I got back to the hotel fine. Uh, but when I was with Mark... I got in the car, got in the truck, closed the door, and I was relaxed. And the promise that God gives us here in verse 14, he says, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. That's the promise that we have here from the Lord. And so as we, we look for a deeper and a fuller and a more complete experience of the presence of God, we, we, from Moses, we see that there was a, a history and a pattern of prayer built on deliberation, intentionality, being purposeful, and setting time apart to give attention, um, free from the distractions of the world, far away from everything that's going on in the world. That, that, that makes a difference. When we understand our relationship with the Lord, that he knows us by name and that he calls us friends, uh, that, that allows for a closeness and an intimacy to be able to relate uh, to God. And then, then the shape of, of Moses' prayer, uh, where he, he is able um, to um, listen to God, where he's able to bring his petition, where he's able to uh, articulate a need for grace and then the ultimate concern for God's glory. Uh, these things will help us to experience Christ in a, in a greater and a deeper and a more fulfilling way. Uh, what I'd like to do to, um, to close tonight is, is for us to, uh, to pray through psalm 25 when when the, when Moses says, uh, "Show me your ways or teach me your ways uh, psalm twenty five just immediately um, comes comes to mind and so I felt like that was a, a, a good and a fitting way for us to to end the service uh, tonight and so um, some of you may have prayed this way before some of you may have not. Uh, But I'll I'll voice the prayer, but just look at the scripture there as I pray it it through. And I'm just going to start us off into a a time of prayer, and then then I'll say amen, and and we'll be done. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we turn our hope to you. Our Father, we trust in you. Do not let us be disgraced. Do not let our enemies gloat over us. Not one person who waits for you will be disgraced, but those who act Treacherously without cause, and they will be disgraced. Father, we ask that you make your ways known to us, that you teach us your paths, that you guide us in your truth, and that you teach me. For you are the God of our salvation, and we wait for you, we listen for you all day long. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. And do not remember the sins of our youth or the acts of our rebellion. In keeping with your faithful love, remember us because of your goodness, Lord. You are good and upright, so show us your the sinners the way. You lead the humble in what is right, and you teach them the way. We know that all your ways are faithful, love, and truth. Uh, because your name is great, dear Lord, forgive our sin, for, for it is great. The person that fears the Lord, that is the person that you show the way. So help us to fear you, dear Lord. Uh, You will give a good life to those uh, who fear you. Father, the secret counsel of the Lord is for those that fear you. So help us to to fear you more. And we thank you that you reveal your covenant to those folks. Uh, We know that your eyes are always, uh, uh, our eyes are always on you. And help us that be more descriptive of who we are And how we're acting We thank you that you uh, pull our feet out of the net Turn to us and be gracious to us For we are alone and afflicted uh, The distresses of our heart increase I Pray that you bring us out of our sufferings Consider our affliction and our trouble And take away all our sins Consider our enemies They are numerous And they hate us violently Guard us Deliver us And Do not let us be put to shame, for we take our refuge in you. And may integrity and uprightness keep me, for we wait on you. This is our prayer, dear Lord, and we offer it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, we'll see you all Sunday.